The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows the secret to courting Shohei Otani. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And the secret is? If that was true, I would feel even worse about delaying this podcast. As long as we have, it is Monday, November 27th. I am quite ill, but so is Shohei Otani. He is as ill as it gets. And that is why it is a fitting state to be in to record this podcast, Jake. I'm excited to do a full episode devoted to Shohei Otani because, I mean, honestly, like we, this should be a regular thing. This is hardly an original thought. Like, effectively, Wilds doing Otani episodes four times a week as they as they should. Uh, but this is one we're going to try and capture the the entire Shohei free agent experience. Think about what we do know, what we don't know. Put all the teams in tears because that's what we do on this podcast. Uh, and then see where we see where we find see where we end up because uh, that's kind of how this podcast works. It will be a journey. Shohei can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail dot com. He doesn't seem to be doing too much right now, so hopefully we hear from him. We did hear from a number of you. Thank you for the, for your emails. We will get to some Shohei specific emails the very end of this show. But like Jordan said, the goal is going to be: can we unpack? the motivations, desires, and preferences of one Mr. Shohei Otani and use that information to maybe predict where the hell he's going to sign. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we, we can't. But we're going to we try know. anyway because it is fun talking about the best baseball player on earth. If you are listening to this podcast and you're a Tigers fan hoping we're going to spend 20 minutes on Kent Maeda, you're in luck. We'll do that on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk about the Suarez trade, Sonny Gray going to the Cardinals, all those things. This is about Shohei you can wait a couple more days for the non-Shohei transactions to be covered. So, Jake, again, as I mentioned, the way we're going to structure this, what do we know? What do we not know? Uh, what have we What have we learned about him during his career? What happened last time Shohei was a free agent? What did we learn from the documentary that came out on ESPN Plus uh, recently, all about Shohei Otani? We both watched that, gained a little bit of insight. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the teams and who we think actually has a chance to sign this this ridiculously talented gentleman. So let's begin with what we know. Let's begin with what we know. Uh, what do we know about Shohei Otani? Because so much about this process has kind of led us to the ultimate shrug of, well, we have no idea how he feels, and we're certainly going to get to that. But there are things we do know because we've been watching him in Major League Baseball for six seasons now. So let's talk about Shohei Otani, the, the baseball player, before we get to anything else. Let's say the obvious stuff first. 
So the first three, you can really break up his MLB tenure in two chunks of three years, where the first three years, he is showing promise on both sides of the ball. He misses time due to injury, gets Tommy John surgery, and we get glimpses, but we don't really get the full package together at the same time. And then the second three years from 2021 to this past season, we uh, I would say he puts it all together. <laughs> it's a bit of an overstatement. He wins an MVP in 21, would have won an MVP in 22 if Aaron Judge hadn't hit 60 whatever home runs, and then he wins it again a couple days ago. So he has two MVPs in the last three years and solidifies himself as one of the best players of all time and the best player in the sport right now. But let's dig in. Otani the hitter. Specifically, Otani the hitter. Here, he seems to have gotten better every single season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, I think, you know, we'll we'll maybe touch on this when we review uh, the documentary, but let's remember how this started, right? He shows up in spring training in 2018, and he looks like crap, and he knows he looks like crap, and we got people writing like, this guy's never going to figure out as a hitter. He's such a talented pitcher. Why are we wasting our time having him hit? And, you know, at times, even in 2020, once he came back, he was he was not good, right? You know, he had 190 in the, in the shortened season. He's striking out a lot. But he has honed in what is truly 80-grade raw power while also cutting down on the strikeouts and while also being a legitimately impactful base runner, a little bit less so this year than recently, which is why you've seen the extra bases. We've seen him lead the league in triples in 2021. And then obviously just the sheer home runs that he is hitting, the style of home runs that he is capable of hitting, not just the pure distance, where the balls are landing in certain ballparks. I remember doing a thread middle of this season when he had, I think it was three home runs, three very similar home runs in Texas to the opposite field, kind of left center. Uh, just to, to a part of the ballpark, I know the ballpark hasn't been open very long, but a part of the ballpark that just right-handers are not really hitting it to. And his the sheer force with which he's able to impact baseball is unlike almost anybody else uh, in the league. And for him to become that after kind of how it began. And remember, even in Japan, he was, a, he was a great hitter. He was not putting up these kind of, you know, power numbers. Of course, he's kind of, he's figured it all out. So that is just the, de- the degree to which he is still seemingly improving as a hitter is is shocking. I, I just cannot get over that. And this year especially, I was just overwhelmed by how good he was at the plate. And his strikeout rate has improved each of the last three seasons. He's swinging and missing less. And that is still the biggest hole in his game, which is very nitpicky. If you go to Baseball Savant, it's a lot of 99, 95, 99, 100th percentile. He is the best in the world at a number of things. He does swing and miss a lot. But in today's game, that is not a particularly damning feature. And he has shown that by the output of his numbers. Yeah. And I we've seen, you know, some of the pitchers who have faced him. I, I heard, uh, you know, our friend Lucas Giolito um, on the on the Rose Rotation pod recently talking about how, because, you know, he obviously got to know Shohei a little bit. And he was talking about how, you know, he's seen, he's faced Shohei a ton, like as a pitcher. And he's seen the evolution of him where it used to be like, okay, like this is where you can get him out. Like this is there is a, a way to game plan around him, and he still does have a lot of swing and miss in his game. But what Shohei has clearly decided is that I am not going to be taking any half swings. He will he would rather you know lead the league in home runs 
then shorten up and and hit. I mean, he hit 304 this year, so it's ridiculous to be like he's not making enough contact. But like he's clearly decided, no, like my, the best version of myself is basically swinging full effort all the time. And that's why he sometimes looks really silly on off-speed stuff. But he's learned, he's gone through the league, and he's understood what he needs, what kind of pitches he can handle, and what kind of pitches he can do damage on. And, and just how quickly he's learned that and gotten better is, is just ridiculous. He's also one of the fastest players in the world. His sprint speed went down this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's just because he was, one, exhausted by the end, and two, was maybe saving a little bit in the tank for free agency. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to get injured. Uh, he could still scoot. I'm not too worried about that side of his game. And I think it's worth saying we have barely seen him play defense in mm-hmm. America, in MLB. He can do it. He, absolutely. If you yeah. put him in an outfield corner right now, he'd be above average. Mm-hmm. There are some evaluators and scouts who think you could put him in center field right now if he decided mm-hmm. never to pitch again. So in the event that he comes back and he's just a bad pitcher, he does not need to play DH. He has only D- been DHing because it's the easiest way to keep him fresh while he's trying to pitch on the other days. Yeah, and and again, long, long career ahead of him. So there's a lot of questions that we'll kind of get into about his as we kind of turn this to Otani the pitcher about what to expect from him on the mound moving forward after his second surgery, but there will be a, a fallback, right? This isn't just a, a first base only or, or DH situation, I'm sure. If for some reason pitching no longer becomes an option for him, I'm quite confident he will want to play the outfield and be more involved uh, on a regular basis. But obviously, yeah, as a hitter, he is is sensational. He is yeah, probably at worst, you know, a top five to seven hitter uh, in the league. The strikeouts are there, but he's improved on that every season. The walks, I, I kind of can't believe he didn't walk even more when you consider the the lineup that he was kind of working with. And I think that also speaks to sort of the aggression. And he was probably not going to let too many pitches go by because he could have. He could have taken even more walks than he did, but instead he wanted to do damage. And that is what makes him just an absolute freak. So Otani the hitter is one of the best hitters in the world. And we expect to see Otani the hitter in 2024. What we do not expect to see in 2024 is Otani the pitcher. And that is because in the second half of the season, he underwent a second elbow surgery. Do we know what elbow surgery it was specifically? Not really. We'll get to that in a little bit, but it was elbow surgery. And they have said he will not be pitching in 2024. But when he has been on the mound, what kind of pitcher is Shohei Otani? A good one, Jordan. But a good one in kind of an odd way. Let's talk about the bad. The command is not particularly good. It's good enough, obviously, for him to thrive at the big league level. But Shohei is getting by, more than getting by. He is dominating thanks to pure, elite, top five, nasty, raw stuff. It is an elite fastball, an elite sweeper, and an elite splitter. 370 grade pitches on the 20 to 80 scale. It's more than enough. There are starts where the command shows up and he can pinpoint the slider to Mike Trout in the WBC (laughs) Uh was a perfectly executed pitch. That's not to say he cannot do it, but consistency is not always there. And that's when he gets into trouble on the mound. He will walk a lot of guys. He'll miss some spots in the zone. He'll give up some damage. But the stuff has been there pretty much the whole time over the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know, we mentioned those three pitches, you know, the fastball, the the sweeper, and the splitter, but like we've seen him tinkering where sometimes he'll just show up and just start throwing a two-seamer that's like the nastiest you've ever seen, right? He only threw 6% two-seamers, you know, sinkers this season. He's got a slow curveball, he'll throw 4%, but we've seen him kind of experiment with stuff all the time, 
And a lot of that is because he's he's entirely in charge. And this is, of course, a theme of Otani in general is that he's calling the shots in every respect. He, our understanding, especially this year, or at least the past couple of years, you know, he's got the pitch calm on his arm. He's calling the pitches. And so sometimes he, I, I've seen Angels fans talk about this. And like, there have been some times when even when the command's bad, like his pitch selection is just bizarre. And he, his cutter in particular was hit a lot this year and he was throwing it more than ever. And it didn't really make any sense. But like, Again, even with all these problems, even when the command is shiny, he's still able to dominate. He's still able to basically limit damage because even if he's walking guys, nobody is getting hits against him. So the strikeouts are basically always going to be there. And because he's demonstrated an ability to throw seven different pitches, who knows? It's possible when he comes back in 2025. Now he's throwing, you know, 12% curveballs. And now he's throwing 12 or, you know, 15% two seamers. Like, there's so many different ways he can go, so many different uh, ways that he can attack. And so while he is in some ways also like a hitter, a little bit volatile in terms of the command, you know, in terms of the swing and miss at, at the plate, in terms of the command on the mound, but I mean, just the raw ability. And, and that's what people have been saying about Shohei since he was, you know, 16, 17. That's why from the beginning, everyone assumed, yeah, he could be one of the best pitchers in baseball. And that is that is proven to be true. We saw that really more in 2022. He was a little bit more dialed in. Uh, the walks were down. It was a little bit sharper than this year before he got injured. But in general, I mean, it's not it's it's not complicated. You know, eh, that's the best part about this guy is you watch one side of him. You don't even have to know about the other side to be completely uh, flabbergasted by his talent. He does both, man. Like, I don't want to I really don't want that to sink in. Too much. It's really bonkers. I, I was like, as you were just saying that sentence, I was like, right. Like he finished top five in the Cy Young last year. And he also he, he might have been like on it, pace to do somewhere this year, right? I dude, mean, he, he had, hits and he pitches. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, and that's the thing. Like we, the the evolution of of the experiencing watching this guy of can he do it? To can like ha, like not just oh he's doing it right. There's a version of this where he's just like pretty good at both. But I I don't I mean especially this past year offensively. Just the strides that he's making that quickly is 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 I, it's shocking. I mean, it's like almost horrifying yeah. to in, a, in an amazing way, right? I, you just can't believe that someone could be getting better this quickly uh, all the time. Now, I will say it is going to be interesting how he is because people have said that were like, yeah, he wants to be doing both all the time. I am interested in twenty twenty four how he is as a hitter when he's not even thinking about pitching; he's just rehabbing on the mound, right? Like we've seen him. You know, people point out, oh, well, he wasn't as good of a hitter when he when he wasn't pitching earlier in his career. No, but that was he clearly has not he didn't learn yeah. about what he was as a hitter yet. So I don't want to take too much stock into that, but it will be interesting to see how he kind of performs when it is entirely his focus. And considering a team is going to give him a ten year contract at least, right? What does Shohei Otani look like when he's thirty seven or mm-hmm. thirty nine? Mm-hmm. I am skeptical that he can do this that long into his late thirties, because we saw this season when his elbow blew out the toll that doing both takes on his body. There's a level of exhaustion that exists. And as we get older, our bodies start to crumble and there are not many 39 year old baseball players at all. So as he ages, I think Otani will be presented with a choice, which is to do both worse or to do one better. Yeah. And yeah, I there's am, so many unknowns with wh- and how he's know. feeling in the rehab next right. year and all these things. But it's just, it's. I think it's, 
it makes me feel better about signing him because what you're paying for right now is a top five pitcher and a top five hitter. There's a bad case scenario where in seven years, he's an above average DH. And that is way better than what like 37-year-old Miguel Cabrera was. You know what I mean? Yeah, or and- or the old pitchers, right, that you signed to big contracts. Because um, there's no fallback plan. So yeah, that's that's part of the comfort. I will say, you know, when we talked about what's been so amazing, this came up in the documentary too, but, um, you know, you mentioned, okay, yeah, we saw him go down with the, with the elbow injury. I mean, all the stuff he was doing with, with cramps, you know, and oblique, like, it's it's absurd. That that's the part that's just like, how is he physically doing that? That's the part that I think players when he came over, even if you bought into the talent, you're like, there's no shot that like he can literally actually physically hold up doing this. And the fact that he pretty much has two of I mean, with with some bumps here, but you know, averaging 140 innings and 600 plate appearances over the last three seasons is is ridiculous. And so it's not surprising that eventually it, it got to a level where it was it was not not okay. And even when he, you know, tore his, his or whatever, he had a tear, comes back the next day, hits one one fifteen. Like clearly, he's able to still do all these things. But it's there's it's not an accident that he's cramping up a lot down the stretch. He does have a tear. Otani, yeah. Shohei, oh. do, he does have a tear. Yeah, he does does have a tear. Yep. Thanks, Perry. Uh, uh, just quickly yeah. on that to the medical exhaustion, mm-hmm. physical side. In twenty twenty one, the Angels gave Otani run of the show. And they said, go ahead and do whatever you want. And he did. And it was amazing for three years. They took the reins off and it worked. My, I, if I was a team, I would say the same thing. However, I would say that if I was a ball club, I would want more input and interaction and conversation about monitoring his workload. Because with the Angels, that was not happening. The, with the Angels, it was, you let us know if you're tired and we'll take a day. I think... It is in the team's best interest and Otani's best interest to make that a more collaborative process because Otani is almost never, especially now that he has signed a deal, going to go to a club and say, I'm tired. I don't want to play baseball because one of the things about Otani is he loves ball and he wants to play and he wants to be great at it. And I am very skeptical that he knows his own limits in that way. Like, why would he know his own limits? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have limits. He's blasted past every athletic baseball limit that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And so in his mind, like this year, if he had, I'm not saying that this, but like if he had come to the Angels and said, hey, I need a day, maybe his elbow doesn't blow out, right? Hey, I need a couple of weeks. I don't want to pitch for a couple of weeks because my elbow's tired. There are ways to monitor that type of thing now in a better way. And I hope... Like, I would let Otani do whatever the hell he wanted, of course. My hope, if I'm a team that signs him, would be he has matured enough that he is willing to accept help from an organization that has a better sense for what it's doing. And there's a chance the Angels weren't that. I'm not not trying to besmirch the Angels here, but like, if I'm a team that signs him, I'm saying, here's all the information about you and your workload. Let's make this a more collaborative process so that we can do this, so that you can do this as long as possible. So we have to get through the rehab um, before we even have the conversations about how we're managing the workload of doing both ways. And so that's going to be a huge part of it. And maybe that becomes a relevant point of discussion when he is negotiating with teams, a team that makes it feel like they can support his rehab while also getting him 
I mean, that's the thing. It's like, is this dude really going to be able to get another 600 plate appearances in 2024? I, I mean, again, I'm not done doubting him. That's for sure. But that's the part that's just so hard to fathom. I would push back a little bit. Like, I would give him a little bit more credit. Like, he clearly this year was pushing far beyond anything we'd seen him. But forget the elbow. But with the cramp, like, he was pulling himself out of games when it was getting too bad. And I think the Angels just kind of threw their hands up and said, like, listen, we, we're better off letting him do his own thing. Um, then and I agree with that. And they said that in the documentary. We can kind of transition to that too as we start to talk about Otani the person and kind of what drives him, what motivates him, and all the things we learned from that. But that's also part of what they did in 21. They, they did have a workload thing. They were monitoring it, and they just decided, listen, I don't think this is helping him. I don't think this is helping him stay healthy. So we're just going to kind of have to say, show, hey, take the wheel. And, uh, and it, yeah, it pretty I, much worked. It pretty much I, worked. My point, just to be clear, I think there's a, a middle ground there. I think where he feels empowered to control his own program and he doesn't feel like he's being babied or limited. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a way to make that a more interactive process. That's all I'm saying. Yep. That's totally fair. So the documentary we keep referencing, Jake, uh, came out on ESPN Plus. And if you've watched it, um, hopefully you'll you know connect with this conversation more. But it was an interesting document um, to kind of use as a guide, as something, a fresh batch of Otani content. And insight from him to some degree, as well as a lot of people that are clearly extremely important to him. I think some of that was way more valuable than anything Shohei said. Obviously, there's nothing in here, for the most part, that is even talked about as free agency. It seems like most of this was recorded before this season, you even missed with the, a lot of the footage. And you missed that point. An hour 12 in, Otani said, I want to sign with the Washington Nationals. Oh, shit, man. I should have been watching have a little that. more closely. Damn. All right. My yeah. brother's going to be hype about that. Yeah. So, sorry, I guess I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know how I missed it. It's weird that no one's tweeted about that. I know, That's it's crazy. weird. But, yeah, I watched this documentary. Mm-hmm. We we know so little about Shohei the Dude. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because we're gaijin who don't speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. That's definitely an aspect of it. And part of it is because he's very closed off, right? And he's very private, and that's totally fine. And so, in watching this documentary, my brain is, like, searching for nuggets that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. of insight what is just repetitive gobbledygook of Shohei being like thanks to my parents which is sweet but like yeah <laughs> you know like it's really true I get thanks it. to my parents I think it's that true. was actually one of the more interesting parts yeah, yeah yeah he was like thanks I mean he did he was like my parents were great they're very supportive but like they're not the reason I'm like an amazing baseball player that is uh because well, of the Coach uh, Hideki Kuriyama at, at the you know Nippon Am Fighters, but again, like that's another very basic point. Have we ever seen Shohei Otani's parents? No, ever. No, no, has it hasn't happened? Right. Um, you could find some pictures of them online, but like this is not a per- people that are, are are around. That's fine. I found it. That's, that's his. That's obviously his prerogative. But it is it is interesting. I found a Japanese interview show where they are featured mm-hmm. a little bit, but they didn't say anything particularly insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's chosen to keep them private and that's mm-hmm. his prerogative and I respect the heck out of that. I wouldn't want anybody talking to my parents. <laughs> so let, let's talk about what we did learn. Okay, what were some of the things that stood out from this documentary? I would say my favorite part by far was just all the insights from you, Darvish. You, Darvish, who played for the same team um, in NPB. Kind of, you know, it's interesting. They signed their their contracts. That was that same winter. So the, the when Darvish signed with the Cubs, that happened a couple months after Otani signed with the Angels. They did not have any overlap uh, playing in NPB. When Darvish uh, signed with the, ra- with the Rangers, Jordan, not the Cubs. 
No, but I'm saying that in 2017, when Shohei came over, it was the same time that Otani, that oh. Darvish signed with the Cubs. Now, jumping I back thought farther. You meant, mm-hmm. That's what I thought you meant. Go back. Yeah, so jumping back farther, they did not, I don't believe they overlapped. I believe he'd come over and, and been with the Rangers right before Otani started his career in NPB. But this is clearly a relationship that has endured. They talk about how it was a big deal for Otani to take Darvish's 11, his jersey number 11, um, with the fighters. And that Darvish essentially was like, yeah, like that's, I mean, he, he remembers it being like a controversial thing, but he clearly has, has supported him. And I think Darvish kind of talking about and reflecting the challenges that he had, uh, especially off the field, transitioning to MLB in 2012, um, compared to Otani with the Angels a few years later. This is something that I think we've heard kind of expanding this beyond the Otani conversation. Just clubhouse culture in general over the last decade has shifted in a very real way to be a lot more welcoming towards young players. And I think we've we've seen the the fruits of that, which is great. That's an ab- absolute huge W for our sport. Like, duh. Um, and foreign but, players. Yes, yes. And so because of that, you know, we have a lot, you know, these younger players or players, you know, international players are, are a lot more empowered to kind of be themselves, which is great. That's a huge win. But that's something that Darvish talked about. Like, yeah, it wasn't easy. Like I didn't, even for him, who was even more established than Otani was and, and had the expectations, you know, it was hard for, for Darvish at the time, whereas Otani, something clearly a theme as we talk about and reflect on why he picked the Angels in the first place, was like, yeah, like this is comfortable. Now it's possible that would have been true at any, in any other clubhouse. But Otani talks about it and is, is appreciative of, of, he was like, yeah, like I, he told me it was going to be hard and it was, it wasn't like it was, everyone was super nice. I was like, okay, well, that's good. That that's progress that has probably been made in, in clubhouse culture over the last decade. But I just thought Darvish uh, in general, kind of him and, and you see this from everybody featured in the doc, but listening to him and Hideki Matsui and CC Sabathia and these former players who are also like us, completely in awe of what Otani is capable of. Uh, is never really gets old. So that 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 hit for me, I would say, in these uh, in this doc. The other thing that I found interesting was how much he wants to be great at doing both over, at least at that point, winning a World Series. Now, obviously, those are similar, right? If Shohei Otani is an 11-win player for you, there is a higher chance that you can win a World Series. But, you know, going back and looking at various interviews of him, when people ask, like, what is the thing that you want to accomplish or, like, what is most important to you, a lot of it is staying healthy, being able to do both, proving himself to the world more than, like, going out and winning a ring. It was even more like winning the WBC felt mm-hmm. like a bigger priority to him than winning a World Series. And I'm not trying to besmirch him. Like, I'm not saying he's not motivated to win a World Series. But it was just in the way that he talked about it was very insightful and fits into his decision to sign with the angels and not demand a trade from the angels and stay with the angels. Right. And I almost think that his let's transition to that part. It's clear that he picked the angels because it was going to be the most comfortable situation for him. And in the documentary, there are all these uh, interviews with like Mike Sosha and his agent Nesbolello and with Shohei about why he picked the angels. Right. And the overwhelming response is it was his gut he there was no grander reason there was no secret sauce otani felt like it was the place where he was going to be the most comfortable and have the most success and i think that history has proved him right and just because the angels did not make the playoffs while he was there and the organization did not win a lot of 
ball games or as many as they should have does not mean that his tenure there was a failure. His tenure was a success. He was successfully onboarded into being a major league baseball player. The Angels successfully empowered him to succeed at the highest level to the point that now he's reaching free agency and he's going to get a you know $500 million contract. That's a W. Yeah. Just because he didn't win the World Series, it's not a loss. And yeah. I think that's important to understand how we measure success mm-hmm. in yeah. that context. I mean, we ascribe, right? We kind of decide, oh, this is so sad for Otani. He's never had a winning season or Mike Trout. And like, that's true. It's not like those feelings as fans or observers are invalid, but every player has their, has differing levels of motivations. And, and again, going back to Darvish, like him talking about how much Otani wanted to be in the WBC and how much he wanted Darvish to be in the WBC because he wanted to win the WBC. And I'm sure for Otani, he was like, oh, we can win this shit. I don't have to count on whoever the hell's pitching for the Angels. You know, I'm, I, we got Samurai Japan. I don't have to worry about Jaime Berea, you know, giving me 25 starts. Like I could, we can win if we assemble the right, you know, group. And that turned out to be exactly accurate. And I think a um, couple more things about the doc. But I, again, when we talk about Otani, the person, what we have kind of learned about him, the WBC was really a breakout moment. And we'll get back to that in a second. I would just say the one other thing um, from this from this doctor that stood out to me is his, his affection for Pedro Martinez. And, you know, it's not it's not uncommon to hear about which players growing up, you know, connect specifically with, especially in other, other countries, you know, they grow up, they watch. And of course, he mentions Matsui and he mentions Ichiro, whatever. But that Pedro was really the pitcher who could not be, you know, almost more of a different in terms of physicality. And he talks about that, how much bigger he is than Pedro, but how much he wants to kind of mimic those motions. And the fact that he had Pedro be the freaking narrator was kind of a strange choice. But like, that's not an accident. You know, we, we can assume that the Otani campus was very much in control of how this looked and how this sounded. And to have Pedro Martinez do this, do this, you know, voiceover was, was kind of shocking. Uh, it's just a really fascinating pick. But also really cool because to listen to Pedro talk about him was was really, really, really special. Um, I will say, going back to the WBC, because again, let's think about what else we've learned about him this year, or recently too. Uh, thinking about too of like him as a leader, him as a personality. One of the most interesting things after, I think we, I think we found this, I, I can't remember if this came out before or after they won. But basically, he gave this pregame speech uh, before the championship game where he basically tells his teammates on Samurai Japan, like, listen, like, I know you're looking around and we got Trout and Goldschmidt and Betts. And like, we all know how great they are. But today, it's not about admiring them. It's about winning, right? It's about, you know, we, we got to move that aside. And we got to, we got to, because otherwise, you know, we can't win if we are, you know, focused on admiring them. And I mean, my God, did that age tremendously well in so many respects and gave us a, one of the best moments in baseball history, as we, have, as we have said. But I think that also says a lot about, too, kind of where he has ascended to in the Japanese baseball context. He's not the oldest player there, not the most experienced player there, but he was the one, of course, that is that is held up as as the leader, which isn't super shocking, but, uh, but it was really, really cool. One last thing from the doc. CeCe Sabathia is featured pretty heavily in it, and he has a quote that I found very fascinating where he said, it was a good thing that Shohei was not a Yankee, that he needed the space to figure things out in Anaheim. He needed a low pressure environment to learn how to fail and then figure things out. And that's so, I think that's so true and so spot on. And I think that when you, when we, when we're discussing where he's going to go next, that is a relevant component, right? 
is he going to select somewhere that he feels comfortable or is he going to challenge himself now that he's more comfortable as a big leaguer? Now that he has a better sense of himself and he is capital S, capital O, Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. is he now prepared to play in New York or play mm-hmm. in Chicago, right? Maybe. Is that something we're, he wants? We're, we right. don't know. Right. Um, I will say, though, uh, before we take a break, uh, let's just, again, what like what else do we know about him as a personality? Because that's another thing that I'm sure if you speak Japanese and uh, can follow you know, can watch clips of him when he's back home, going on all these different reality shows, doing interviews in his native language, all these things. I'm sure we definitely yeah. learn more. But even before that, you know, there are a couple couple little bits of content that we can kind of lean on. But I would say also, like, before we even get to just the specific goofy, you know, GQ, 10 things he can't live without, like, the obvious thing about him, too, is he has clearly transcended the sport as far as a, a an athlete that has connected with people and fans, Angels fans or not, in ways that we just have not had athletes connect. And because what he is doing on the field is so singular and so different, that is inspiring in a way that we don't need him to be necessarily the most outgoing personality or the most open, not even outgoing, but just like we don't have to know those things. Because when Mike Trout is awesome, he is awesome, but he's awesome in a way that we we kind of know what it looks like, right? It is amazing. It's one of the best players ever. The stats are incredible, all these things. But for the most part, it's like that's it's still a category we can, you know, connect to. Whereas what Otani is doing is so hard to fathom that he's clearly connected with people in in a very real way. We got a really nice email from from Emma who talked about, you know, when she was going through a difficult time in 2021, how important Otani's kind of ascent to that MVP season had her just locked in and connected to baseball in a very unique way. And I've heard that from all kinds of people. And that's a, that's a thing he, he has kind of brought in people that not even necessarily that they didn't like baseball, but he, he has, he has changed the baseball watching experience for people in a way that we just haven't had any player like that um, in our lifetime. There's Otani fandom, like NBA player fandom, how people root for players and not for teams. There are Otani fans, and wherever he will sign, people will follow him and they will watch because they care about him. And that is unique in our sport today, which is more localized than ever. And it is important to understand what Otani means to people. Just because of the outrageous self-belief he has in himself that has allowed him to accomplish what he's accomplished. Let's pivot quickly to the goofier stuff. I watched a bunch of old, like, Japanese game show, interview show stuff yesterday with subtitles translated just to, you know, dig around. And I think the most interesting thing I found out is that he hates tomatoes. Please explain. Because I watched this clip and I'm still confused. It's him in a chair telling the truth. It's like the red chair interview. It's all in Japanese. And it says, what is your biggest weakness, I think, is the question. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says tomatoes. <laughs> and then the clip ends. And it's like, oh, okay. So I need to, I mean, this should obviously be the first question to him whenever he signs. Because I, what do you think that means? Does it mean, is his biggest weakness that he can't stop eating tomatoes? No, 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 no. He does not like the taste of tomatoes. Oh, he's like afraid. Oh, he's like, okay. Because weakness could could imply, you know, a few different things. But I will say we did, as I just mentioned, you know, GQ does their their series, you know, 10 Things celebrities can't live without and his list was pretty straightforward i will say he had two sleep related three i guess three how many would you consider of these items would you consider related to sleep three of them four yeah. of them. 
Um, he mentions a weighted sleep mask. He mentions compression pants. He, wa- he mentions a fancy pillow. Watani loves to sleep. And I think that is also probably a very, very big part of his recovery. And he probably figured out like, yeah, the only way my body is going to be remotely able to do this on a regular basis is if I'm sleeping an absurd amount. That, that tracks. That absolutely makes a lot of sense. Are you familiar with something called La Tomatina? No. La Tomatina is a festival held in the Valencian town of Buñol in the east of Spain mm-hmm. in which participants throw tomatoes and get involved in a tomato fight purely for entertainment purposes. It's essentially an enormous food fight in just the tomatoes. streets of town with a shitload of tomatoes. And so if this is like Otani's worst nightmare is what we're saying. Otani's worst nightmare. If you want to get in his head before a start, I would play footage from La Tomatina <laughs> on the Jumbotron to frazzle him. Uh, oh, man. But see, this is the other thing. And I'm fascinated by this. What, what you kind of referenced earlier about how he has his own fans. Like when he went to the Angels, and you know, I was in the Mariners fan, so I was devastated, but it's not like I was ever rooting against him. And that's been true the whole time. That is going to be a very interesting part of his his free agent decision is, is there a place he could go where people will really actively be rooting against him, right? That obviously would have been true if he signed with the Yankees to begin with. But is that true if he would sign with the Cubs now? Is that true if he would sign with the Dodgers now? There's, there's a lot of questions involved with that. Because that was the other thing about the Angels is they weren't particularly hateable. So it was kind of an easy landing spot in that sense. Uh, now, a lot of that is just because they were losing a lot. But anyway... Uh, all that said, yeah, I mean, we've seen him. And, and the other thing is, you know, we've seen him do some commercials. We've seen him do some modeling. He shows up. He's, he's. I mean, he's like the face of New Balance baseball. That's for sure. That's that's like the most clear thing that you see him advertising the most. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, and Hugo he, Boss. He, Hugo Boss. That's a good one. I I, I believe he had a, an FTX moment, which is that's. I'm going to blame that on his on his on his team because I can't imagine Shohei was like. Yeah, get me in the crypto ads. I need that as soon as possible. Shohei Bankman-Fried. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wow, that's just the, the disrespect is overwhelming. Uh, anyway, that's Sam uh, Bankman-Fried's biggest crime was sullying the reputation of Shohei Otani. Um, maybe I can't remember if it was which one it was, but anyway, the point is, is yeah, I mean, we we have limited we have limited uh, pieces of it, and, and especially the last few years where it seems like he spent less time in Japan in general. We've had less opportunities yeah. to kind of see him on those shows. There, uh, one last thing, the 10 things you can't live without. So I wrote down what those 10 things are, mm-hmm. Jordan. And the 10 things are, like you said, fancy pillow, iPad, sleep mask, compression pants, heart rate monitor. And then there are cell phone, which is like, okay, freaking duh. But then same, he's, bro. Same. He has bat, glove, and cleats. Like, could we not get a little bit more creative here? 10 things Shohei Otani can't live without. Like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I, mean, I figured I'm, as much. Can he? Right. Yeah, he can live without them. He used to b- borrow someone else's. Well, but also, like, I think the other thing about that is I, I mean, I've watched enough of those videos. Like, let's get a, like, a snack in there. You know, like Funyuns, Funyuns right? Funyuns, of course. But even if it's not Funyuns, like, there's got to be one snack. But maybe it's that, again, he knows, like, the weight of his words. He's not just going to talk about no free ads. I mean, if Shohei's, he, there's no shot Shohei's going to be, and I know he was promoting some of these specific sleep masks and whatnot, but he's probably not just going to be handing out 
uh, a snack endorsement. That's probably, he was probably, you know, advised, listen, dude, we could get some serious change for that. Which is, by the way, a good point, which is, as we kind of pivot this to free agency, we're going to take a break here in a second, is Shohei's only made like $40 million in salary, made $30 million this year as as a big leaguer. He's probably made at least double that, if not more, just from endorsements and stuff. Um, and if some of that's crypto money, that makes me sad. But at the same time, get that back, Shohei, even before you sign for hundreds of millions of dollars. All right, Jake, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to turn the focus to the, the topic at hand. He is a free agent. He can what? sign with any team. What? We'll be right back. Holy crap. Someone should tell someone. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they're all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And we are joined by Shohei Otani. No. Shohei. No. Oh, nope. no. You got to You got to unmute Shohei. You Shohei, unmute. unmute the Zoom. Oh, he's not. Oh, he can't figure it out. Uh, oh, man. Technical right. difficulties. Well, he, oh, he, he, he disconnected. Okay. Well, we're just going to have to do this without him. Um Maybe he'll maybe he'll jump back on if he does. Bullocks. That'd be great. But, you know, again, it's classic Zoom issues, right? It happens. It happens. It happens. It happens. Uh, all right, Jake. So Tani's a free agent. He is available. He's just out there. He could sign with anybody. He could go back to Japan. He could go. He could go. You know, sharpen his skills in Lee Dome uh, if he wanted. Can you to. imagine, bro? Nothing is stopping him. There is nothing Japan? stopping him from going and, and hitting some dingers uh, in for Gigantes uh, down in, in the DR. Anyway, um, I think now because we have heard so little from Otani himself over the last few months or his agent, Nesbolello. We have very little to go on in terms of who's actually interested. Now, all the teams that we assume are interested are largely based on common sense and what happened last time. And their ability to spend a lot of money. That that I guess that fits in the common sense bucket. But yes. The yes. starting number is, I mean, at the low end, let's say 400 mil, there are certain teams who Jordan and I kind of disagree on this. There are certain teams I believe will not touch it that Mm -hmm. do not have the payroll capability or do not want to have the payroll capability to pay any human being that amount of money, any baseball player that amount of money. I think that there are about 10 teams that are just immediately out based solely on that. Mm -hmm. Youth seem to believe more that if he wants to go to the Rays or the A's, they'll make it work. I am skeptical to some, to some degree. I think too, like, I think it's also important to look at the, we're thinking about the total number and we'll see if there's opt outs involved and we can get into that, whatever. Um, you also really have to look at the AAV, which at the, that is the number that is guaranteed to be something we have not really seen before, probably $50 million. Right. That's where you can really start to rule out teams where it is truly not functionally possible. Right. In ways that teams more in the middle, where if you put $50 million on their payroll, they could still be below 
you know, the luxury tax line. And it's, it's, it's improbable. Of course, you also probably are going to have to spend more than $400, $500 million. But I just think that the money, because of, again, in some ways, what we learned last time when he was a free agent, money is not going to be the driving factor. He deserves, and because Nezbolello was doing his job, is going to try and get the biggest contract in baseball history. And that makes sense. But again, I just think that a lot of this is going to be, again, what, what's Otani feeling? So, okay, so what happened last time? First of all, let's rewind. 2017, Jake, we just graduated from college. We were working Major League Baseball in New York City. And this was, of course, the, the Houston Astros just won a, an upstanding championship, as far as we knew. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers lost. That sucked for them. Uh, there's, you know, okay, so Otani's coming over. And Otani decided, remember, he wanted to come over via the posting system but because he was as young as he was, he was not able to come over as an actual full-blown free agent. And the rules regarding MPB players coming over have changed a little bit now. But again, like Yoshinobu Yamamoto, for example, he is now old enough. He got to 25. He's able, he was able to sign as a full major free agent. Whereas Otani at the time was essentially an international free agent, minor league free agent, which meant that he was essentially treated the same as the sixteen, the best sixteen-year-olds in the Dominican Republic who signed for between three and five million dollar bonuses, and because of when this was happening, there were very few teams that actually had that much money to give him, and so because of that, the most they could give him in a bonus was like three million dollars. I believe the Rangers had the most they could offer him, like three point five. And so what you had was a situation was he was going to come over. All you had to give him was probably one to three million dollars plus the twenty million dollar bonus uh, posting fee. And then you have Otani under contract as a minor league dude for six years for as cheap as what we just described earlier, where he's pre-arb for three and then he's in arbitration. Like the, there was never anything close to this valuable that we'd ever seen in the free agent market, even with all the doubts about just how good he was going to be. If you go back and read the way that people were talking about them, they said if he was available on the open market, then he would have gotten $200 million. Like he was that good and the money was not a factor. It was not a factor. Because it couldn't be. He just wanted to get over here as soon as possible. Right. He made it not a factor. Mm -hmm. He could have waited another two seasons and hit the open market, but he was so intent on challenging himself in the big leagues that he more or less sidelined this aspect of the process. Yes. And so what happened was he was officially posted on December 1st, and CAA, the agency, Nesbolello, basically told every team, like, hey, give us your pitch. Not like we're not going to meet, but like fill out this questionnaire, make a presentation, and we will narrow down the finalists. Posted on December 1st. On December 4th, on Monday, it was reported that he narrowed it down to seven finalists. Those seven teams were the Angels, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mariners, the Rangers, the Cubs, and the Giants. That was now, on it's Monday. Im it's important to remember at the time, there was no designated hitter in the National League. Yes. And there were a lot of questions about how a National League team was going to make this work yes. with Shohei. Yes. But there were multiple National League teams. More than list. half. More than half. Yes, more than half. And so at the time, that list, told, what did that list tell us when we first got it? It was, okay, no East Coast. And obviously, the only teams that were really winning at a super high level, this most recent, were, were the Cubs and the Dodgers um, and, and the Giants, too, uh, you know, not that long ago. But these other ones, it was like, okay, well, these are some smaller markets. Like the Padres at this point are still completely irrelevant, like completely. 
Okay. So the Padres and the Angels are like, really? Like, I know they have Trout. Okay. But like, that was, that was pretty. The shy. Padres are three years away from becoming brown and yellow. Yeah. So again, Padres was like, oh my God, right? This is like, what, what in the world is going on here? Okay. So over the next two days, on Monday, Tuesday, he meets with those seven teams. And then on Friday afternoon, it is announced that he is signing with the Angels. Uh, <laughs> there's a video of me collapsing in agony as a Mariners fan who had gotten way too excited about the possibility of him signing there. And I think they were considered a heavy favorite along with the Cubs and the Dodgers just because of the little that we knew about, uh, knew about them. But that all happened very quickly. His posting deadline was not until December 22nd. So he, he kind of, it was, it was full steam ahead. You know, he'd obviously probably been thinking about it for a while, but it was clear once he had those meetings, like we're doing this, you know, we're doing it. And it, it really cannot be understated uh, or overstated how, how shocking it was that, that he signed with the angels. Like it, it was a truly like, no one saw it coming. No, nobody thought like, okay, okay. I guess he does want to be in a small market. He didn't even let the Yankees and Mets and Red Sox meet with him. But again, like he Nez said in the doc, when they announced it, you know, Nez's statement was basically like, yeah, like he, here's, here's a quote from Nez. Um, Past few weeks also further demonstrated show his incredible thoughtfulness, attention to detail, and determination to make an informed decision. While there has been much speculation about what would drive Shohei's decision, what mattered to him most wasn't market size, time zone, or league, but that he felt a true bond with the Angels. He sees this as the best environment to develop and reach the next level and attain his career goals. Correct. Okay. Correct. All he that was correct. Correct. That turned out to be exactly correct. Uh, but at the same time, at the time, it was like, oh my God, like this is this is wild. Uh, and so when we fast forward to now and we think about like, first of all, it's so interesting going back and reading some of the tweets and some of the articles from then where it's a lot of the exact same sentiment that we have now, which is what does this dude actually want? We it don't this, know. You could copy paste it. We don't know. We have no idea what he wants. We, we, the last time like him being comfortable was a priority over winning, but is that the case now? We don't know. And we didn't know that then until after he made the decision. Mm -hmm. And so again, and, and we know it, you know, it took some time for him to actually settle in, become the star that he was, but that's what happened last time. Now this time, again, it's the same thing. We don't, we just don't know. We have no clue. We have, we, we have heard so little. And so we are assuming things. We are assuming like last time that the Dodgers are the favorites, but ultimately there's all kinds of things that he could be prioritizing. Maybe it is the comfort and the connection that he had. And I think part of the reason why we are assuming that the same finalists are involved again is because we know that he met with them then. Now, a lot has changed. Some of those front offices have changed, but he at least got to get a closer look at these organizations at the time. And some of those would at least still hold up and probably still have some level of you know lingering connection to Otani, which is also the reason that like, who freaking knows? He might just go back to the Angels because that's where he's most comfortable. I doubt that, obviously. But there's so many parts of this, we just have no idea. Is he looking for the most money? Is he looking to, to actually win? He's never been on a winning team yet in Major League Baseball. Does he want the team that can help him rehab the most? Does he want to be in good weather? Like, we have no idea. And so we are left stuck to speculate based largely off of what makes sense to us now and based on what happened last time. I think from the doc, we deduce that Otani is going to go with his gut. And I think that right now, on Monday, November 22nd, Otani does not know hmm. where he's going or even what he is prioritizing all the way. I think there are some teams that are out. 
that he has nixed for whatever reason. We don't know. I would speculate it's the Yankees. I just, or the Mets. Like, I just don't think he wants to be in New York and deal with the circus. Mm-hmm. That's my hunch. Mm-hmm. But I don't think right now, as we're speaking, he knows exactly what he wants. I do think he is going to go with that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And so what could that gut feeling be, right? It was the Angels last time. What organization is going to create that warm fuzziness deep within Shohei's soul to entice him to come to their city? I don't know. And teams don't know either. And we saw this last time. Jeff Passan, I think, tweeted about this back in 2017. Teams don't know what he wants. And so the varying approaches in trying to swoon him are so vast because it's like, do we want to be low key? Do we want the bells and whistles? Do we want it somewhere in the middle? Do we want to focus on our facilities? Do we want to focus on our culture? Do we want to be hardos? Do we want to be softies? Right. And and we've seen some reporting from Jeff and others that like he's trying to keep this as secret as possible. And, you know, Jeff even hinted at the concept that if meetings get out or connections get out publicly, that that would be held against a team. I, not that I'm doubting Jeff's reporting. Again, like I still think this is just going to come down to where Shohei wants to play. And so I don't know, like maybe they could piss him off by by leaking to the point where how, how interested they are, I guess. But I don't think anything's going to overwhelm to that point because, again, it's such a fascinating thing that we have sort of the same scenario as last time, except instead of having no, the money doesn't matter because it's so little, now it's almost like the money doesn't matter because it's so much. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's going to end up being some absurd number and maybe there's some flexibility, some opt-outs, some some creative structure, whatever. But like, no, it's, it's not, it, in this case, he knows it's going to be about like, no, like I, I earned this ability to, to pick and I've learned stuff. That's the other thing. Even if we don't know how he changes, like he's definitely learned things from his six years in Anaheim and six years in the major leagues, going to every major league city, learning what the markets are like, learning what the lifestyle is like, like all those things. I'm sure he has learned things. He's gathered information. And in that sense is why I don't believe he's going to go back to the angels because I do believe that he's probably found something else that he is going to want to, to go to, but Still, we're, we're really working off a very limited amount of information. You make a great point about the money not mattering in a way. Last time it was, you're right, so small that it doesn't matter. And this time he is going to get a record-breaking contract. Someone is going to give it to him. I, even super rich people, right? Once you get past a certain level, like what's the difference in $30 million? Yes, the difference is $30 million, which is a lot, right? I get that. But it doesn't seem to be the biggest deal for Shohei. I don't think that he is trying to squeeze every last dollar out of it. I do think that Nez Bolello and CAA are trying to secure the largest contract ever because Absolutely. that is something, a feather they can put in their cap. As they and should. it's good for the game and good for players. And that all is true. But I think once they reach that threshold, it's not going to make the biggest difference in the world. Let's get to teams. Let's, let's tier it. some baseball teams. And let's begin with the assumption that everyone thinks. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Every, the, the overwhelming consensus is that the Dodgers are the favorite. Let's try and explain why. Yeah. Why are the Dodgers the favorite? One, he already lives there, kind of. He'd probably get a new spot, right? But he likes the weather. He's comfortable with the weather. He, he's got restaurants he likes. He probably has people that he knows in the area. He gets to stay, except he gets to be a part of an organization that has its shit together a little bit more than the Angels. The Dodgers can give him the money. Just a little bit. 
that he wants. The Dodgers are going to be competitive for likely the entirety of the contract. Yeah. He is going to be on a winning base. If he signs with the Dodgers, he will experience his first winning season in 2024. Yeah, it is, it is the best. If he wants to be on a winning team, it is the best pick. Uh, and I mean that over the Rangers. I mean that over the, the any other, well, over the Astros. The Cubs. He, that is the team that he should go to if he would like to win a lot of baseball games. That doesn't mean a guaranteed World Series. But again, that's, that's, that is the most basic version on top of the fact that it's where he already lives. On top of the fact that they are, again, have basically telegraphed the degree to which they have been gearing up for this kind of pursuit in the way that they certainly you know, have succeeded in landing stars in the past. It just makes so much sense. And to my, to my eye, it's almost too much sense. Because I'm like, this is too obvious that there's no way he's going to do the obvious thing. But maybe that's unfair to lean to it based on last time. And this is where MLB wants him to go. That's another thing to say. Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. You said that with a real comp. Let's be clear. That, that's that. We that's don't know the that. <laughs> Just he said that with real, real vindication. I would say though the other, the other interesting thing, what happened in 2017? Dodgers were a finalist. They had a lot of their players like go meet with him, Kershaw. They were pissed when they didn't get him. Like Kershaw went on the record and being like, "Yeah, that was a waste of my time to like." basically stop my offseason to go pitch this guy to come to the Dodgers. Like there were multiple quotes from Dodgers being like, yeah, what the hell was that? You know, they wasted well, our time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> at the time, that's because they were probably thinking, who is this dude? No, Just of course. Random I, I understand and now it. it's like, it's Joey Otani. Oh, I, I totally get it. I'm not blaming them. It's, it's just, it's just very funny in retrospect to read, to read those headlines. So the Dodgers are in their own category. They make the most sense. You have told me that over the last couple weeks, you have believed that they are not going to end up on top. Would you take the Dodgers or the field right now? I think I'd take the field. And I, again, like, I don't feel good about any of these other teams that we're about to talk about. This is obviously no insight. It's just, it legitimately feels too obvious. And like, I just cannot get over having Tim talked about like what his gut says. Like the gut is telling you like, no, actually, you want to go here. <laughs> right. Very go. rarely does the gut say all the prevailing obvious information is right. It's like, no. Like when someone makes an interesting decision, it's because their gut told you, not because like if he signs with the Dodgers, like, yep, yep. That was his brain. <laughs> not his gut. His mind. So anyway, again, like I don't want to go too far. Like I I, I guess they're still the favorite. I just like I cannot get out the, the, of how shocked we were last time, and uh, and if and if he wants to do something different, because that's the other thing. It's like then we start getting into these these next favorites. What does he want? Not just a level of comfort. What does he want to accomplish? What are his career goals? Does he want to win a World Series? Does he want to be, win a bunch of regular season games? Does he want to be in a ballpark where he can hit fifty home runs? Does he want to do these things? Right? Because the way he'd be treated in in, in on each, each of these teams, if he goes to the Dodgers, yeah, it. He will be the best player. He will be treated like the Hollywood star that he is. That's all true. But he'll still be on the team with with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And like he will be, you know, he'll be a part of that mix. Whereas some of these other teams, they will be treating him like God in a way that I don't think they will be with the Dodgers. He will be the team. Yes. If he goes to some places, he will be the whole team. Like, there is no, like this next one, the Giants. Like the next one, the San Francisco Giants. If Otani goes to the Giants, he is the team. Yes. He is the whole thing. Yes. If you've watched the Giants over the last couple of years, they built the entire plane out of supplementary parts, and they need an engine, and that is Shohei Otani. I, 
it this one to me makes a lot of sense. This sure. one makes a lot of sense because the Giants have the biggest need. I yeah. think they are the team Easily. that needs Otani the most. Uh, uh, certainly of the of the favorites, I would definitely agree with that. Because yeah, I mean, after Logan Webb, who's their who's their best who's their second best player? Like I don't I don't know. Um, and so that's the thing. So that they they need him now. At the same time, Otani might look at the Giants and be like. I might show up and we might still only win 85 games. Now it's more than with the angels, but like there's also, more work to do there. You're putting a lot of faith in, in, you know, it, it building around uh, together there. Two sides to the giants coin. One totally new regime here for the coach, Bob Melvin coming in. There's no set culture. If I'm Otani, I'm like, what am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to be happy if I don't know what it is going to be? The other side is I'm Shohei. I get to help set that. I get to dictate it because it doesn't exist yet. That is something to think about with the Giants. Texas Rangers also in this category of like hopefuls likely. I I think this one, the, the Rangers have all the money that they just made from the World Series. They'll be able to pay for it. I'm not worried about that. Very comfortable media market. They've they had you Darvish before. I would imagine that Darvish's opinions on playing in Texas will influence Shohei's decision-making to go there or not, that would be a phone call, no doubt, right? Yeah. And it's also fascinating. It's like, does them having just won the World Series, does that make him want to go there more? Does that make him think like, oh, like what if there's a part of Shohei that just wants to be wants to be the hero, right? Essentially, we'll have some some hero options. It's like, well, if they just won, it's, it's, you're now you're just, now it's like a Kevin Durant situation. <laughs> that's that's basically what it would look like if Shohei is the DH in that lineup next year, right? All due respect to Mitch Garver, but it'd be like, holy shit, this is like way overpowered. And you could say that shit with the Dodgers to some degree. But, you know, the Rangers winning the World Series and signing Otani, very plausible. They were a finalist last time. There's a lot of reasons to think it. But again, that would be it. Maybe that he doesn't care about that. Maybe he doesn't care about that perception. But that's a, a part of it, too. I think they have a great chance. Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs. I actually think that these three teams are in their own category. Giants, Rangers, Cubs. And then mm-hmm. below them is kind of the next group. Uh, we got an email from Mark and a couple. Like, we actually got three or four emails from Cubs fans being like, yeah, this is happening. It's going you down. People need, you, need, you need to get your minds around it. Why do the Cubs <laughs> make so much sense? I would say that we know that they've clearly kind of put the, not rebuild, but like they are going into the competitive window now. And they are also a team that, especially on offense, but even in general, kind of needs, they have, they've, they've assembled a lot of really good players, right? They, they bring in Dansby Swanson, they extend Hap, like they've, they've got a good core, they've got a good farm system. There's a lot kind of coming into place to kind of become this next great National League team. Who's but elite? this is really Who's the elite? like, puts us into... Oh shit! This is one of the best teams in baseball in a way that I don't think you could say about the Giants, you know. And so, in that sense, on top of just being, you have Wrigley, you have the Cubs. That's that you can imagine that being a place where, you know, you got that feeling. And one of the elements from the doc that we haven't mentioned yet is how much Otani appreciates and respects the role of the manager. Mm. He had some quotes about this in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Craig Council, who we have all decided and de- determined is, you know, who just came to Chicago, is the best manager in the world. Is that something that Otani is interested in, in playing for the guy who everyone believes is number one skipper? Mm-hmm. I would say also, like, Bruce Bochy fits that bill too, right? Like, you can kind of look around and see which managers you can imagine Otani admiring in a very real way. Um, 
but yeah, I think that that's, that's a really interesting element too. Uh, and, and also I would say the Cubs so far have the most buzz from the reporting in terms of how aggressive they're going to be. A lot of reporting from Bruce Levine about that. So we'll see. Again, I still think I generally believe where it's just gonna it's just gonna pop out. It's gonna, oh, okay, he's on this team now. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, you know foreplay we're really gonna get <laughs> with the, with this Atani signing. I think it's just gonna drop on a Friday afternoon like last time. But we will see. Okay, two other teams kind of near the top. The Red Sox, another team who was not a finalist last time, but seems like people have made the connections that he has some uh, amount of interest, and they certainly have an interest there. This would be a fascinating time to do this considering they just finished in last place for the second year in a row. But also, like, duh, like, he he's he's another – it's exactly the kind of player that could vault them back into the postseason mix. A lot of other problems there. That's one where, kind of like with Wrigley, it's like, okay, you can imagine just, like, having the connection to Fenway Park, to Boston, to the history. We talk about how much yeah. you love Pedro. All those things. I'm skeptical, but it's one that is that has showed up in a way that it was very much not the case last time. I don't think this will happen. They got a new uh, president of baseball operations, Craig Breslow, like two days ago, and I don't expect a new regime to jump into the Otani mix right away. Even though he was brought in to be more aggressive, I just don't really see it. Toronto Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. this one has been bandied about a bunch recently. How do you feel about this one? I, I think it makes sense because they are pretty set on pitching for 2024, but could definitely use him in 2025. They're DH spot is open now that Brandon Belt is a free agent again. Do you think that it's a cultural fit? Because that team had some issues this year about just kind of, not that it was a bad clubhouse, but it just felt like they were always stuck in gear a step behind. Do you think Otani wants to be there? Yeah. As for the fit, like I I get it. I think roster wise, it is similar to the Cubs where it was like, oh, this could really push them into a, a pretty special territory. And we've seen them be really aggressive. And come up short in some cases in free agency over the last few years. So it's not surprising to me that like they're trying to at least, you know, get the meeting. I'm not surprised that they're doing all they can to like get him to sit down with them. Still seems like uh, a bit of a long shot. I'm skeptical they have the budget, right? They're owned by a media company and not by a one person who wants to spend the money and win a title before they die. Mm-hmm. And I think that's relevant. The Angels. Listen. Is he come? Is he I know. Home? I know. We're all. It's like, oh, there's no way he'll go back. Maybe. <laughs> like, I doubt it. Obviously, but like, I still feel like it's more likely he just decides, yeah, you know, I'm comfortable here than uh, like half the league, which it seems absurd. Like, why would he go back? I guess the the argument for him going back is basically is yeah, it's it's he he doesn't know he's he he basically feels a level of loyalty the degree to which they have supported him and he thinks. I will get to continue to be able to control everything about my rehab, everything about how little I have to talk to the media, how little, all these things will stay the same. It's how I've liked it. And we are going to to proceed forward. I would the be arg- shocked, but it's a thing. The argument is I like my life. Mm-hmm. That's it. If he not- likes his life enough to not change it, then he will stay. Mm-hmm. And I would put the angels in the top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Very it's possible. pretty likely. I think it's I think it is certainly possible just because the there's a gut element here. And all the frustration we saw from him towards the end of the season, I think there's a chance he settles down and he, he thinks about it and he's like, "You know what? I am happy. I am happy we, here." It could be a combination of that and and the the lure of of unfinished business. 
You know? Ooh. I mean, he might just think like, no, like, job's not finished. And in this case, job barely started. So, job like, there's still started. a lot of work yeah. to do here. So, again, I would be shocked. But also, I would be more shocked uh, if he, you know, signed with the Marlins. Like, Let's in get- my mind... Yeah. I would put the Angels over the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Maybe I'm I'm not so. No, that's, that's I me. again. I think that there's. I think we've made the case for why that is. Also, uh, yeah. Remember, we don't know. Next group: Mariners, Padres, Mets, Yankees. Let's get Mets and Yankees out of the way. I don't think he wants to go to New York. I think both of these teams can offer him enough money to make that happen. I think the Yankees are definitely interested. I would be floored as someone who has been around the Yankees if Shohei, if Shohei's gut is like I want to be on this team. I would be very surprised. It would be a media circus. I'm skeptical. I think the Mets actually have a better chance. I still don't think he wants to be in New York. I, Having seen him operate in this space last year, I cannot envision him wanting to do that for a decade. Yeah, and I don't think it was an accident that he kind of wrote them off pretty quickly last time. Um, so maybe there's a number, but that's also why I don't think it's, it makes sense. People just being like, Oh, well the Mets can outbid everyone. It's like, yeah, but I just don't think that that's that relevant. As for the Mariners and Padres, these were two finalists from last time, but we're putting them down here because for different reasons, they seem a lot less likely uh, than last time, even for kind of a weird way, right? Padres, because they have, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the passing of Peter Seidler has kind of changed the way that we are thinking about and talking about the Padres. They're I cutting payroll. It's yeah. it's that simple. The the Padres are trying to cut payroll, yeah. and adding Shohei Otani for fifty million dollars a year is a bad way to cut payroll. Simple. Yeah, right. Obviously, right. So, seems very unlikely that they are going to be uh, aggressively in the mix there. And then for the Mariners, the same thing. Like everything that they've shown is uh, a more desire to cut than to add. Maybe they're cutting to make room for something, but. This is a situation where we know how we know how desperately they want. They were the least secret about it last time. How desperately they wanted to sign Otani. Obviously, I think that I think that they're still going to be there. I think that they're still going to be in the mix, and I think that they're going to try. But we just have they they do not have the benefit of the doubt in terms of spending at the highest level. Now that said, if he wants to be a hero, then these two teams that have never won a World Series are great options. Uh, this is, and also you know fit in the other way where it's West Coast great markets for him and in a lot of senses they check a lot of boxes but because of the situations with their ownership and the way their front offices have behaved it's just hard to imagine that they're really going to be there um, at the end next group dark horses braves cardinals phillies astros let me start with the braves it makes a lot of sense based upon the way their roster looks and they did clear out a little bit of money and roster space and people were sniffing around I think president of baseball operations, Alex Anthopoulos, is too conservative and pragmatic to give anybody $50 million a year. That's my vibe on that. I'd be very surprised if he pushes the chips in for this specific thing. That's also a Liberty Media thing, too, where I would not expect them to be able to just decide on a whim like, oh, yeah, we're just going to blast into the luxury tax. Like, I don't I don't even think that that's his call in that sense. So seems pretty unlikely, although we know that they are aggressive in adding talent, even though they have the best roster. So that's not shocking. Cardinals, Phillies, Astros. These are weird ones because it's like, if you ignore where they are and the fact that it seems completely absurd that he would ever sign there, it's like, sure, why not? Like, that's that's a place where, in, in theory, he could want to win. Certainly Phillies, Houston, right? Quickly, Phillies, yeah. no roster fit. Yeah. Kyle Schwarber needs to be DHing. They know that. They're building their roster around <laughs> I mean, that. I mean, I get it. If you sign Shohei, it's fine. You put Schwarber out in the outfield or you make him play first base right. or you push Bryce yeah. out there. You make it work. I just would be very skeptical. They're 
they're not going to do that. The Astros, I think, is more likely because I could see Jim Crane opening the checkbook and being like, ooh, I want that. Like, I want that shiny thing. I want yeah. that, please. But it seems incredibly unlikely, uh, but maybe. Uh, and then the Cardinals, again, you know, they're focused on pitching right now. Uh, we'll talk about Sonny Gray later this week. But I think that, like, again, that's another one where I, I don't – it's clearly they're not even considering it as a possibility. So, which is relevant, which is pretty much true for the rest of the teams we're going to talk about. Here's everybody else. If we haven't mentioned you yet, good luck. The Detroit Tigers, who used to spend a lot of money and don't because they haven't been good recently. Everyone, oh man, the Tigers are coming up. Like they're on the rise. Tigers looking good. 2024, AL Central sucks. Hard to imagine Shohei Otani playing for the Detroit Tigers. DH spot is open. Miguel Cabrera retired. They're wide open. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Why not? Uh, yeah, Why not the Tigers? So. Why not? I don't think so. Now, again, Baltimore Orioles. This is a good example of, yeah, are the Orioles going to give him $500 million? No. Could slash should they give him $50 million for the next few years? Hell yeah, they should. They would still have like an average payroll, you know? Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Arizona Diamondbacks, their TV deal just went up in flames. They don't have the cash to do this, in my opinion. I think this is a place where Otani could be very happy. I think people really like playing in Arizona. I think yeah, we, we also haven't even talked about the whole like Arizona-Florida spring training. Maybe that's relevant too. Eh, I don't think it matters at all. Uh, uh, I think he'd be happy with the Diamondbacks. I don't think the Diamondbacks have the cash to do it. Washington Nationals. I think they should be being way more aggressive and start spending money. But we know there's a weird ownership situation going on there. So I think they're maybe closer to being good than we think, but this ain't happening. I think the Nats are saving that money for Soto free agency. Yeah, if only. Mistake. Yeah, I agree. And also, if only. Right. And related on that note, if only Otani was Boris. <laughs> if Otani was Boris, he's going. He's he's coming home. You can put it on the board. You can put it on the, on the Boris. Yes. Uh, Miami Marlins. Peter Bendix coming over from the Rays. Oh, my God. Uh, to run the Marlins after Kimang essentially uh, quit and said, you embarrassed me and you don't want to spend money and you don't care. I'm leaving. Going from that to signing Otani would be hilarious and is not happening. The Minnesota Twins are another team that's publicly cutting payroll. Again, if you want to cut payroll, don't spend $50 million on a player. Yeah. Uh, but also you should because it's Shohei Otani. Uh, we mentioned Mariners and Padres, if he wants to be the hero, the savior. Uh, Rays, Rockies, and Brewers, the other you know three teams that have never won a World Series. And if for some reason Shohei's like, it's me, I'm going to do it. In this case, I, I think the Rays would be the best pick as far as winning the World Series soon. But hey, maybe he had a really good time at, at the All-Star Game in Colorado. And he's oh like, my Coors God. Dude, I just have that feeling. Could you imagine Shohei signing with the Rockies and they're like, why? And he says, it's my gut. And Oof. the rest of the baseball world is like, what is in your gut, bro? <laughs> That's what an interesting selection. Maybe, I don't know. Like, Bud Black has been there forever. He seems pretty happy. Charlie Blackman seems content with being in in Colorado for the rest of his life. Otani, come come to course. Oh, I mean, Colorado's a sweet place to live, but I will bet against it. Five teams left. Maybe, wait, Chris Bryant took the Rockies' money to just chill out. Maybe Otani wants to chill. Chris Bryan had already won everything. Like, he'd won a World Series. Yeah. Like, he was chilling. Otani, not so much. Not so much. Five teams left. Cleveland and Cincinnati. 
Uh, if Shohei Otani wants to live in Ohio, mad respect. That's what I'm about to do next year. Spoiler alert. So I'm Whoa. in. Let's make it happen. I would love Roommate? That. Roommate? He would. Yeah, let's do it. I would love to. He would hit so many home runs in Cincinnati. Oh, my God. Uh, but I, I'm going to take the under on that. And then our final. Oh, sorry. Four teams left. These are the 1 billion percent, 0 percent chance that this happens. Sorry. Let me say that again. 1 billion percent chance this does not happen. Royals, White Sox, Pirates, A's. Jake, you can put Otani on any of these four teams. Which one are you picking? Pittsburgh Pirates. <sighs> Wet balls, dude. That'd be freaking sweet. Into the river. Again, if it's like, what? who has the... You get that feeling. You get that feeling. You're crossing the Clemente Bridge. You're looking at it. You're like, damn, that's pretty sick. I, I would put the Pirates up with... Like the Tigers, man. I love that we're spending time on this. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to read some of your emails about Shohei Otani, and then we will say goodbye. And welcome back to the end of the Otani extravaganza. I'm Jake Mitz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Uh, Shohei is getting his Zoom technical difficulties worked out and hopefully he will join us by the end of the episode not our he may not join us but you will because we got a uh, an array of lovely emails from you the listeners about Shohei Otani and we will begin with an email from James who says could Shohei force the Braves to change their name if Shohei wanted to sign but the Atlanta club but had reservations about it due to their team name, do you think he could force the club to change it? And if not, could he at least get them to stop the chop? Thanks for all your great work, James. Here is a quick take before we get into specifics. I think he could have gotten the Guardians to change their name. I think mm. if the Clevelanders mm -hmm. were still their old team mm -hmm. and Otani was a free agent, he'd be like, I'm signing with you guys for 40. I, I love it here. 40 AAV, eight years. I don't know. You got to change the name. They do it. I think they do it. The right. Braves. Well, they, they seemed more. Um, amenable. Amenable. Their name was more obviously offensive mm. than the Braves is right now. And I think the Braves are more resistant as an organization to change any aspect of what they are. Yeah. Uh, more importantly, I don't think you're stopping it. In fact, here's a cynical take. I think if he got them to change the name, they would do the chop more. I think he could get them to stop the chop. Wow. That'd be great. All right, Shohei. We're, I, we're, we're depending I think, on you, man. I think he could not change the name, mm -hmm. but I, it would be like, you're not, he wouldn't do it, right? Because he doesn't see himself as bigger than that. But I do think if he went to the organization and said, I'm in, we got to stop the chop. I don't like it. Mm. I think they We could at least get them to like stop playing the music and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely, right? True. And I, the Braves would have to if the money was right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I want to fan, stop, but I also don't want Otani to sign with the Braves. So yeah, if you're a Braves fan and you're listening and you love the chop, first of all, interesting choice for a podcast, but thanks for listening. Would you give up the chop for Shohei? Mm. And would your less rational friends do the same? Man, I hope so. Uh, let's move on to an email from Tyler. We can't give it up. Jordan is our culture. Uh, is it? Uh, oh, right. Tyler oh, right. Stafford, our dearest friend, a.k.a. Jeff Blogwell. What a legend. He says, 
Hello, boys. Miss you. Hope you are well. Do you remember when we were children on the internet? Wild times. <laughs> I now buy generic Rogaine in bulk from Costco so my daughters won't grow up with a bald dad. What a hero. We love you, Tyler. Speaking of the inevitability of death and decay, I have a two-part assignment for you. First, please identify which of Otani's immense and varied skills are most important to his overall success. For example, we all know he throws hard and hits hard and runs fast, but which of those is most important for Otani? Get granular with this, like fastball velocity, raw power, sprint speed, etc. Or don't, I guess. I'm in no position to boss you around. Once you've got that down, please discuss how that list will look in 10 to 5 to 10 years, assuming a normal aging curve and the continued existence of baseball and the world. All the best, Tyler. Nothing is more important than Shohei Otani's ability to hit the baseball incredibly hard. Yeah. That's true. Because even if he slow, like even if he maybe is slowing down, if he's hitting it this hard, he's going to be valuable for a long time. If he doesn't pitch, and he's not fleet afoot, and he's chasing pitches outside the zone, he and he can still hit the baseball in the 99th percentile, he will have value in the big leagues. That is the yeah. most important aspect of him, and I think it is the most important aspect of him by a pretty significant margin. I am thinking about how, you know, you mentioned fastball velocity. It would be funny if he comes back and he's not throwing hard and he basically is like Zach Granke on the mound, like throwing nine different pitches at like 92. But like at the plate, he's still hitting balls 120. That would be an amazing contrast if we got that version of Shohei when he comes back. I think the most important thing about him from a physical perspective are his hips. Mm. Shohei is Shohei because he is able to rotate with a level of force and torque and velocity and power that no one else in the world can Mm -hmm. rotation is rotation, whether he's pitching or hitting and any type of like injury to a hip socket. I think that is the biggest problem he could have, but I, to answer Blogwell's specific question, I think it is his ability to impact the baseball incredibly hard. That is number one by a lot. I think that declines at a normal rate as he ages. I think that, he is hitting it so hard right now that even if he declines and he hits it less hard, he's still hitting it relatively hard. So I'm and I'm super interested in in what his power looks like. Again, remember Bryce Harper for the, his first couple months was not hitting the ball over the fence, was not hitting the ball especially hard consistently when he came back from his uh surgery. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what are his top end exit velos for the first half of next season. Because not that that'll settle in for what he's going to have for the next 10 years, but it is certainly something to monitor. Our next email is from Jason. Jason says, Shohei in a local commercial? Hey guys, first time, long time, and go O's. Trying to think of the most Barbacast question possible. Well, you've done it. What would be the funniest local commercial Shohei could star in? And based on that alone, where should he sign? I'm thinking along the lines of Joe Musgrove in the Sichuan Casino Resort commercial. Thanks and love what you guys do, Jason. So again, the thing with local commercials is... We really only know one locality because we it's where you grew up. Mm. Um, and so as D.C. area guys, uh, the Nats and Eastern Motors where your job's your credit credit. And there is no job worth more credit credit than being paid uh, $550 million by the mm. Nats to play baseball. He could get so many cars at Eastern Motors. His Motors. credit would be just overwhelming. Like that credit, is so credit. much credit uh, if credit, his job credit. was his credit at Eastern Motors. Uh, so that's a great. No, one. Free, no free ads. I would say that, you know, I know you listen to games on the radio more often than I do. But when I do listen to the Mariners on the radio, I mean, you know, you mentioned the casino here for Joe. Like, that's all we're getting snow, snow, qualmy, you know, we're getting 
muckle shoot, like all these all these uh, casinos up in the northwest that I've learned. Potawatomi wants to, you know, yeah. Potawatomi Casino in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of options there. So, but I think something, yeah, not definitely not gambling, not casino, something that's very. I would like maybe just like a really local restaurant. I think would I would like a local Japanese restaurant that he likes. There was mm. apparently a place in Irvine that he loved that he ate all at all the time. If he came uh, to the Royals, mm. I hope he does an ad for the local best Japanese restaurant in Kansas City. Sure. Um, or, or yeah, just some random. I mean, Eastern Motors is funny, but even if it's just like some, you know, ridiculously specific car dealership, I think would be excellent stuff too. So, because those always have kind of the best animations, the best really takes you back to just like local television in a sense that we don't have as much of that anymore. So, I would support that. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna cost them though. So, good luck with that. Thank you to Jason for the email. Our next email comes from David. Hey, Jake and Jordan. Like everyone else, I'm obsessing over Otani's free agency. And as a Cubs fan, it seems like we got a real shot here. If you were Shohei, what request would you make of teams in this process? We know he wants to keep the meeting secret, but think big. The stove will keep us warm. Dave. Thank you, Dave. All right, you're Otani. What are you asking for? I'm going to flip this. He said think big. Here's my pitch to Otani. Ready? Ownership. Ownership. Oh, 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 you were offering ownership. Offering ownership. But again, like that's still just another way to offer him more money in the future. So it's like. But control. And when he's done, maybe he wants to have a hand in. Yeah, that's the thing I don't. Because again, when we talked about in the doc, how he's like, I could never be a manager. But does he have interest in like front office responsibilities? Does he want to be more involved in like picking the roster? If so, I, you know, maybe. But I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like we're just giving him a piece of the team is is not. I'm trying to think of which owner would try that. Probably Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another idea. So we talked earlier about Hideki Kuriyama, who is his manager over in Japan with the um, with the with the fighters. Could a team say to Shohei, we want to add him to our staff if you come over? If Whoa. you love this guy so much, we can have him around on a regular basis and integrate him into the into the coaching staff. Damn, that's that's way more compelling because he clearly still reveres him to a very significant degree. And it's remember, this is so different than most free agency pitches where it's here's the money, blah, done. For Otani, the conversation is what can we do to make you happy and feel comfortable and let you steer the ship your own way? And be successful through your own understanding of success. And we'll we'll follow you. And if Otani would want to have Kuriyama, he would never like demand that, right? That's not how he vibes. So but they, they go said, out of their way. It's not like he's gonna ask for it, but they're like, oh, and also like we got Kuriyama as the bench coach. What's up? Yeah, or even like the third base coach. Like he doesn't have to have any real juice, but like he's around. And that's the other thing. If you want to create a scenario where Otani is comfortable, you're saying, hey. Like, are there any players out there who you want, who you like? Like, we'll just hire them as just to hang out, like Howie Kendrick and the Phillies, mm-hmm. you know? Just, you let us know. Like, whoever mm-hmm. you want to hang out with, we'll build it for you. If you want your own locker room, we'll do it for you. You just give him the keys and you say, you drive the car, baby. <laughs> uh, our next email is from Jake. Hey, BBQ boys, but the reports of Shoei talking about his want for privacy during free agency, possibly holding it against the teams in news leaks, what team would be the best place to someone 
for someone to sign to have the privacy. If you want a privacy all the time, you could go to a more relevant team like the A's, or if you wanted the team that somehow is the most privacy during negotiations, it has to be the Braves. Think about how wild it would be if we heard no Otani news and then the Braves official Twitter just tweets a graphic with terms that's saying he's donating 1% to the Atlanta Braves Foundation, which would be, as he points a out, lot. like $5 million. Uh, anyways, love to hear your take on it. Thanks for keeping the offseason funny and offseason interesting. P.S. I really hope he doesn't go to either of these teams. Same, bro. Um, most privacy. I mean, here's the thing. Like, It was very clear that the Angels were pretty good at just letting him be like, yeah, no, I don't. I'm not going to talk to anyone ever at any point. So I feel like there's kind of a leg up there, even being in, you know, Los Angeles, technically sort of Anaheim. It's definitely Anaheim, not Los Angeles. I don't know what, what other, what is, we, we talk about like the smallest market. That's Cincinnati. That's like Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota's probably, that's probably bigger, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like, Teams can just decide, like, all right, yeah, no, you're not. It's 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 it, not the Yankees, but like most of the other teams can pretty much just decide. Yeah, no, you, we will protect you. I actually don't I, think it's as much about privacy there. I think it's Kansas City. I just think, yeah, Mahomes is there, and yeah, Jason Kelsey is there. Mm. No, he's not. Travis Kelsey is there, <laughs> but he. Even if he goes to the Royals, he will be the third biggest deal in oh, the city. Man, dude, that's so funny to think about. Like. I, I, I do really like the idea because I have to imagine in LA or even Orange County, like he can't be going out that often, if ever, right? But Kansas City, like I think the Midwest, there'd be it's more likely that they'll just be like, Oh hey, show hey, and then just like let him go about his day. Like hey, that's very possible. Yeah. <laughs> that's not so possible too. on the coasts. Sorry. No, not at all. I, I think that LA, there is actually a weird amount of privacy there where he's mm-hmm. such a he's a big fish, but it's such a big pond. That it might not be as overwhelming. Whereas if he does go to Kansas City or like Milwaukee, he is the guy. So last email comes from Tyler. Hello, Cespedes fam. Love the pod. Love my Barbacast coffee mug from podswag.com slash baseball. Said in producer Chris's wonderful Australian accent. It's, it's way better than Chris says it. It is. Tyler continues. With Sanga already solidified as a top end roti- rotation piece and the Mets being rumored front runners for Yamamoto, do you guys think playing with two other Japanese superstars, that and Uncle Steve throwing everything but the kitchen sink, is enticing enough to another well-known Japanese star you may be familiar with, Mr. Shohei Otani, oh, does that factor into him choosing the Mets? Is playing with their fellow countrymen important enough to players to sway a decision like this? Thanks for the wonderful content and the hard work and dedication you put it, guys put into the show. Much love from a fellow member of the tribe. Salute, Woo. Tyler. Thank you for listening, sir. Uh, I think... Steve Cohen would give him his kitchen sink. Yeah. Very quickly. Tear it up. Also, I don't know why he's saying Steve, everything but the kitchen sink. Everything and like, the kitchen sink. Steve Cohen definitely has more than one sink in his house. Oh, my God. So many sinks to spare. How many sinks does Steve Cohen have in his main residence? Over, under six and a half. Over. Ooh. Over. Over. Definitely. Oh, how many kitchen sinks? How many kitchen sinks? Three and a half. I still think over. I think we're probably going multiple sinks. I think um, it's multiple kitchens. Do you think he has split sinks for the kosher dishes? He could. People people are wondering. He has a whole meat kitchen? Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, if you're that rich, you might as well. You never even have to think like, oh, am I in the right kitchen? I am. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, All right. No more kosher jokes. As for Tyler's question... This is a very interesting topic. We have seen kind of differing reports for different Japanese players. We've seen reports, I remember even his first first time around, about how Otani 
kind of wanted to be at a place that he could kind of create his own legacy within that organization. Some people thought that was part of why he didn't want to, you know, go to Seattle, follow Ichiro. There are other examples of that. Yankees, Matsui, there's other examples. But now we've seen other reports where it's like, no, like these guys would happily play together, like actively or would follow a team like that. So I don't know. I'm, I would love to hear more from someone who's more of an expert in Japanese baseball about this kind of cultural question, because I, I've, I've seen it both ways and, and I am interested in that, but I don't, I don't have a great answer um, for you, Tyler. Although I, I don't think Otani's going to go to the Mets. I do think they're going to get Yamamoto, but I don't think they're going to get uh, Otani. So sorry. Yeah. I think it does go both ways. Right. And I think it depends on the player. We've heard Yamamoto wants to play with Senga, mm-hmm. but we don't know if Otani wants to play with other Japanese players and whether or not that's something he would view as comfortable or as something he would like if he was playing with other Japanese players, I think it would increase the overall media presence though. That's the thing. Yeah. That's that is a good point. Or it would like negate like it would almost cancel out. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, that's whew, that's gonna be something. Anyway, all right. Those are our emails. It's a long show, Jake. <laughs> I'm glad we did our longest show it. of the year with me. Uh severely ill but it was fun i had a good time <clears throat> sorry for the coughing and the and the the raspy voice you can email us at baseballbarbercast at gmail.com doesn't seem like shohei's gonna make it back on the zoom so we'll try to get him on later uh this off season um but thank you for listening thank you to, for emailing us thank you to chris tyler for producing as always what a gentleman that chris tyler is wednesday we'll be back i know we're gonna try and keep the prospect barbercast cadence on wednesday but our dear friend mike theron is in hawaii Mm. what a, a real me guy move from Mike. So maybe we'll mix in some prospect stuff without him, but we will cover a lot of the news and transactions that we did not hit on this episode. Cause there will probably be even more by the time we record on Wednesday morning, but uh, winter meetings coming up in a week. So I'm glad I'm sick now and not then, but yep. thank you all for listening, Jake. Any, any, uh, uh, here we go. Final let, let's, let's make our predictions. Go ahead. Let's, let's just finish up with, uh, with our Otani picks. Shohei uh, Otani is going to sign with the Chicago Cubs. Okay. For how many millions of dollars? Or thousands if you don't think it'll get that high. $700. <laughs> okay. $700. And the kitchen sink. And the kitchen sink. Uh, all right. I am going to say he is going to sign with the Giants. And he will do it for more than... I will say it will be less than $500 million, but more than Mike Trout's record-setting 426 or whatever. There's my pick. Yep. Hopefully Otani can pass the physical. Thank you all for listening to Baseball Barbacast. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate the support. All kinds of fun stuff coming up for winter meetings. Until Wednesday, uh, we will be back. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Serious XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.